Welcome to ASHTA Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials testing and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson. This is another Ashto Resource FAQ episode. Kim, what do we have this week? We're talking about laboratory relocations this week. We get a lot of questions about when a laboratory is moving locations and relocating. So this is kind of a grab bag for all of that. We do have a policy and guidance document on that. And it's the Ashto Accreditation Policy and Guidance Document on laboratory re relocations. <laughs> That makes sense. It does, doesn't it? Glad we named it that. I'm glad that is a very good name for that document. So let's start off very basically. What does relocation actually mean? Is that moving across the street? Is that moving across the state? Is that moving from a different room in a building? What does laboratory relocation actually mean? So laboratory relocation can be anything as small as being moved from one laboratory uh, space in a in a complex to another one which often happens in these industrial complexes or it could be a move across town or from one town to the next uh, there, there's a lot of uh, of different kind of relocations that we've seen but they typically laboratories are often changing the space that they work in based on workload or project proximity uh, you know you'll see ones going j just like a, a family would do right they when the kids leave the house, they may downsize, you know, like if if there's a, uh, a a workload reduction in an area because they, maybe there just isn't as much stuff going on at that time, they may downsize, like downgrade to a smaller space or maybe the type of work they're doing has changed and it's changed the need for their space. Maybe they're all of a sudden doing a lot more concrete testing, so they need a facility that has a big curing room in it, uh, so then they need more space for that. Or maybe they have an issue with their landlord where they're trying they're trying to make some alterations to the building and it's just not working out very well so they decide to move that way there could be a bunch of different reasons but that's basically uh what happens so it's a change of physical address so whether it be again into a right. different suite in that building or a different address in that industrial park so does this also apply to our mobile laboratories or temporary facilities? Do they often relocate and do they have to follow these same procedures? Yes, it can be a mobile laboratory too. So if a mobile laboratory is moving from one project to the other, they really need to go through this process too. When should the laboratory reach out about their relocation? Before they've relocated, during the relocation process, or after they've already moved? before they should definitely tell us before it's happening so we can tell them what needs to be done to maintain their accreditation and that communication is really important so that they know how much this is going to cost them to move if they didn't factor in recalibration of equipment then that would be a time for them to say oh well we need to not only now we know we have to do that but we also have to make sure we get it set up with the calibration company so that we can get that calibration performed as soon as we get everything set up in the new site. So it's best for them to reach out to us beforehand and that's really what they should do. The requirement is that they have 60 days to get all of these things accomplished from the time that they relocate. So it also helps set them up for knowing what time frame they're gonna be working within. 
But I think the other question that, that is probably coming to your head is what happens when <laughs> the laboratory didn't tell us until afterward? Well, that happens a lot, as you'd imagine, because just people aren't aware of what they need to do. So they'll, they'll let us know, yeah, we already relocated. And we'll say, okay, well, when did you do that? And hopefully it was relatively recently, and usually it is. So then we'd say, okay, well, we'll set a deadline for you to get all this documentation to us. And I'd say generally they were probably already doing some of the things that we're asking them to do anyway. So they've already started the process and it usually doesn't really become a problem for them to provide the information that's necessary. But it's always best to do it beforehand. So it's the best way for them to start the process of like, we're going to be moving now. I know this and I know we have to reach out to the Astro Accreditation Program. Now, what do they do and who do they contact? They need to reach out to their quality analyst. So every laboratory has got a quality analyst listed on their My Lab page, and that's for general inquiries. Uh, that's the person who is monitoring uh, proficiency sample performance. And that's the person that they would ask anytime they have general questions. And it's usually assigned by the state, or not by the state, by us, <laughs> according to st the state that they're working in, so that that quality analyst can get familiar with state requirements where they work. So uh, that's why we do that. But that's who they need to reach out to. And that quality analyst will then get the ball rolling, notifying them about the form that they have to fill out, the policy, and then setting an accreditation event up for them to respond to specific issues that are relevant to their scope of testing for that relocation. And then how does a laboratory actually get their physical address changed on the directory and on the website? Like, is that process once it's completed or do they have to contact somebody else? Or does the quality analyst take it from there once they've successfully relocated? Well, we'd like them to just be able to contact one person if possible. So what, what the expectation would be from our perspective is that they would let us know what that new address is going to be and when that's going to change. And we can let our administrative staff know about that. Uh, but one thing I would also say is that if there are other organizations they're working with, such as CCRL, they need to contact them separately. Because, I mean, while we would like to share that information, CCRL is not really going to want to be making changes to their account without hearing directly from the laboratory. So they need to reach out to them, too, if they're a customer of CCRLs. Yeah, and I will say on our website currently, laboratories can log in and change their mailing address and shipping address, but they do not have the power to change their physical address. And this is one of the reasons why is because there's a lot that goes into when a laboratory physically relocates. So an account admin, you can go in and update again, your mailing and your shipping and please do that. Please make sure those are up to date. But the physical address, again, the reason you can't update that is because you have to go through your quality analyst for accredited laboratories. So you talked about like recalibration of things and what other things are in the, the form or that they have to submit or in the policy that laboratories need to do or should just best practices to do when they relocate from one location to another? Yeah, so one big change that we made over the last year is that we have beefed up that form. So we made a bunch of forms, actually. So, And it all kind of stemmed from this multi-site, off-site management form. So this little project of, of creating this form uh, ended up touching all these other areas like initial accreditation, relocation, personnel changes, those kind of things. So one of the positive things that came out of it is we have got on the form at the back, there's an annex. 
and it lists everything you have to know about all the equipment activities that need to be carried out after a lab move. And it's really, some of them are general in the beginning and then they get very specific about certain test methods or practices that your laboratory might carry out in its scope of activities. But because accreditation is so laboratory specific, it's not gonna be the same for everybody. The requirement's gonna be the same for everybody, but the implementation may not be because you just, some of those tests are just not gonna be relevant to all laboratories. That makes sense. I will say the form itself, the form document is 10 pages long, but the actual form part is only four pages. And then the annex is the rest of the remaining six pages. So going through all of those details of the rules and requirements for specific test methods. So that's mm -hmm. good to know they have that information there. Now, we only need to know when they're moving addresses, right? That's what the requirement right. to change. But let's say they're not changing addresses, but they are changing like moving all of their equipment from one room to another room, are there still some best practices? Yeah, there there are. And, and those aren't things that they need to notify us about. But if they look at that annex and they see all the equipment requirements, those would apply for those kind of moves, in, in, you know, in, inter-lab move, moves as well. I, and I'd say we do get those questions from time to time because there are laboratories that have issues particularly related to balances because those can be stolen for nefarious uses and and laboratories have had to lock those up overnight and then they wonder okay well you know we can't it's not practical to have a calibration company come in here every morning and and do this so then those laboratories really need to figure out another solution and what that is is that they have to get their own uh, calibrated masses and do their uh, verifications of the calibration of their scales or of the standardization of the scales uh, every morning before they start work so that they make sure it's set up properly and giving them the right readings because those readings are off all the test results are going to be off and it's a lot better to catch it before you start doing it than have to go back and notify all your clients that all your results were wrong that makes sense that they need their own reference weights or reference masses or something right the keywords that I picked up there. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what other things do laboratories need to consider or what other parts of the process do you think that a lot of laboratories miss or fill out the form wrong or like something that falls through the cracks? What are some of those types of things that could help a laboratory when they are getting ready to move? Well, I think the biggest problem is usually related to um, the curing facilities for concrete. That's always a sticking point. I mean, during every concrete inspection from CCRL. There seems to be some issue with the curing facilities. And when you're moving to a new facility, you need to make sure you get that right first and foremost. A lot of the other laboratory setup is benchtop stuff that is not overly complicated, but that can be tricky because you've got to deal with your water. You've got to deal with the room temperature. You've got to deal with water pressure potentially and some other things, space issues, storage issue. So those are the big ones to look out for. And all those requirements are in ASTM C511 or AASHTO M201. And we do have additional information on our website about curing facilities that should be helpful. I was going to ask, what 
documents do people need to submit? And then I scrolled down and there's a whole list of documents that people need to submit to their quality analysts when their laboratory moves. So I'm just going to reference that, go to the policy and guidance document and they'll list it all out there for you because it was quite a long list. I thought it was going to be much shorter when I was getting ready to ask that question. Yeah, it is a long list because we've got <laughs> we've got 2,000 plus laboratories in the program, but we do have all these forms that are kind of laid out to capture the needs of all laboratories, but there are specific situations that could apply to your laboratory and not another one. But we'll start with the laboratory relocation form. That's the basic one, right? Mm -hmm. And then we've got situations that occur with multi-site or off-site management. Uh, that happens when you've got Generally, I'd say the most common situation is you've got a technical manager or some higher level person that is overseeing multiple locations in a in a small region. Uh, and and what we need to know is how uh, what they're doing, how are they able to provide that management or technical direction effectively over multiple sites? Uh, what is their work entail when they're there, when they're not? How often are they there physically on site? Uh, they have to have some physical on-site presence. I think that's probably the biggest question that we get is mm -hmm. do we really have to be physically on-site to provide that uh, management and technical direction? And the answer is yes, you do have to do that. It's much more than reviewing reports. It's actually carrying out management and technical direction. Uh, so I think that's probably a common misconception is they think it's just a report, a report approver, in which case there would be not a whole lot of need to have an on-site presence but we're actually talking about somebody providing management and technical direction to people. If you have more questions about this topic of multi-site and off-site personnel, we did do an FAQ episode regarding that. And I believe that is in episode 37 about off-site and multi-site personnel. So you can have more information about that there. Okay, so what's next? What else do they need to submit? So then there's a lot of information about curing facilities because like like I said that's one <laughs> that's one of the big ones that people struggle with is getting those set up and getting in conformance with ASTM C511 and ASHTO M201. Uh, then there's some other equipment listed that we also get questions about and we just tried to make it tried to make it easy. I know there's a lot there, but we tried to put the big stuff up front so that they see what it is and they can know what to do. And then there's some guidance after that. There are possibilities. One, one thing I want to make sure everybody knows is we could look at one of these forms and we could determine based on everything that was submitted that we're still not sure if that laboratory's accreditation should remain in place because of some questions that are raised during whatever gets submitted. And I'm not going to get into the details about what that means at, at this point, but it's one of those things you know that there's a problem when you see it. And when we see a problem, we may have to require a surveillance assessment of some kind. And it could be, you know, right now it would be remote. But in the future, when we get back to traveling for our assessments, something like that would be best done in person in case, you know, because we're doing it because we've got a concern about what the facilities might be and in-person would give us a better view of it, even though we would certainly settle for the remote and ask the right questions and get the right pictures and the right video imagery to see or address some of our concerns. And I think that's a good point too, that 
in addition to some documents that you need that laboratories will need to submit, they also are submitting pictures of things of the things where they are in the location. So it's not just necessarily here's a copy of the records or here's a receipt from the calibration company, but here's what it looks like as well. So your laboratory is submitting that to your quality analyst up front. And then based on that information and all those forms, then we may decide we actually need to have an assessment, whether it be remote or on site, just to make sure everything is what it needs to be so we can stand by our stamp of approval and our accreditation. Yeah, and, and I, I will give you, I said I wasn't gonna give examples, but I'll give one example because I'm sure people are wondering what in the world would somebody send in that could lead to this. We have had laboratories in the past send us pictures of someone else's facility as if it were their own. Oh, so straight up fraud. Okay. Yes, and and we we have to watch out for those things. I mean, we we don't want to think that our customers are going to do stuff like that, but it it happens every once in a while. And sometimes the only reason you know it happens because there's some unique aspect in that photo that you maybe you saw when you were an assessor, or maybe you saw in another photo from another laboratory, and you think, boy, that's really odd. How can two have that? And you look at it and you say, oh my gosh, that's actually the same one. So what do we do with that? So, so that's that. That would be an example of something that would would cause uh, concern, because then, of course, everything's in question at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unless yeah. they moved into that laboratory's facility, and then you would expect to see it, right? <laughs> exactly. There's a certain times where that is warranted. I think that's most of the questions that I think that we would get for just general lab move questions. Did I miss any? There's something else you want to say about lab moves before we wrap this up? I think you covered it pretty well. I mean, those are the the big ones are about when to do it. You know, when is it necessary? What is the relocation? One other thing that I would say that that has been confused by some laboratories is that a, a relocation is not what takes place when you're setting up a new, uh, like if you're a big company and you're opening a new office and closing another one, that's not necessarily a, a relocation just because those two actions took place around the same time frame, And it's not a relocation just because you've moved some resources from one site to another. It's a whole, it, it's like the whole thing is moving. So you've got the personnel, the equipment, you're just oh, you're just moving into a new site, but it's not a transfer of equipment. It's not a, a just because one person has moved to another facility uh, because of some situation. Uh, that is not a complete relocation. It's got to be the whole thing, or it's just a new location of, a, of an existing larger company. Now, those instances that you just mentioned that are not relocations, but happen. I mean, those are common things that would happen. Does the laboratory or company need to let their quality analysts know when those activities are happening? That they would just go through the normal process for initial accreditation. So they would they would register that laboratory as a new laboratory and they would request their assessment, enroll in proficiency samples. Or then if you have the change in personnel, there's a change in personnel form or something like that. If you're moving people or if you're moving big pieces of equipment, you still need to make sure you're doing that, calibrating that and doing all the maintenance and everything that is required by the standards. You still need right. to document that, but you don't need to tell us about that. You just need to document it, correct? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. You don't you, you you need to take care of some of those things. But I mean personnel changes happen all the time. In in every in every company, right? So it's not just a unique to the laboratory environment. 
but personnel changes happen and as long as if it's key personnel they need to let us know you know management they have somebody who's the only certified technician and they're maintaining accreditation for standards that require that they need to replace them with somebody who's certified uh, we, I think we currently don't ask them to send us certification changes because we haven't been monitoring it uh, that closely. But if it's the only person and that person's a contact, I, I, I think you'd want to let us know so we can make sure that you've got everything you need so you're not going to run into trouble when you're out there in the field. Uh, we we want to make sure that I, I know it. It's hard because some people look at us like we're an enforcement organization, and in some regards, we can be at times because we have to be. But we really want to make sure that the laboratories are in a good position to succeed when they're ASHTO accredited. So when we want to know when we're checking with you and making sure that you're doing all these things in conformance with the standards, that's so that when you do your work, there's no question about it. It's trusted. The numbers are accurate. You're not going to run into any issues like that's what we really want so that's why we do our end of it you know our due diligence to make sure that you're set up for success so so don't be afraid to ask us questions and tell us things that are going on so we can give you the confidence you need moving forward with whatever changes are going on that's what it's all about continual improvement and confidence that was our faq episode Thanks for listening to Ashto Resource Q&A. You can find us anywhere podcasts are found or on our website on the ReUniversity page under podcasts. And the best thing about that is if you go there, there will be links to our policies and procedures and forms and other interesting webinars or newsletter articles about those topics. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org or call Brian at 240-436-4820. For other news and related content, check out Ashto Resources' Twitter feed or go to ashtoresource.org.